Hello and welcome to the Plaza Central podcast. Stay informed about Latin America's most pressing political, economic, and social developments. Plaza Central is a production of the Latin American program of the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Hello and welcome to Plaza Central, a podcast from the Wilson Center's Latin American program. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. Latin America's sluggish recovery from the pandemic has been hindered further by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, slowing global growth, high inflation, and declining government stimulus. Now, the region is confronting yet another serious economic challenge, rising interest rates in the United States and Europe. Just as central banks in Latin America have been doing for months now, the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank, known as the Fed and ECB, have begun raising the cost of borrowing. That will have potentially significant impacts not only for businesses and households in the United States and Europe, but also for governments, companies, and individuals in Latin America, where the cost of borrowing will also rise. These tougher monetary conditions come as a group of new leaders, including the presidents of Chile and Colombia, tried to live up to their promises of sweeping reforms to reduce inequality and improve the quality of public services. In this episode, I am joined by two brilliant analysts, New York City-based Alejo Cesar Huanco and Mexico City-based Gabriela Soni both at UBS. We discuss how decisions by the Fed and ECB will be felt in Latin America and what that will mean for a region that is struggling with low levels of growth and high levels of social unrest. Alejo Cherwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets at UBS. Welcome back to our Plaza Central podcast. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Pleasure to be here. Gabriela Soni, Chief Investment Officer for Mexico, also at UBS. Your first time joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ben. Great to be with you. Excellent. Alejo, I want to start with you. As suggested in our introduction, these are difficult times for Latin America. They were already, and external conditions have not been favorable of late. What we have seen is a response to high inflation. The Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank have been raising interest rates for the first time in years. My question for you is how those decisions might affect the costs of new borrowing and servicing high existing debt in regions such as Latin America, and whether you foresee any impact on foreign direct investment in the region from some of these external headwinds. You're absolutely right, Benjamin. Global liquidity is tightening, and it's tightening quite fast. The U.S. Federal Reserve began increasing interest rates in March of this year for the first time since 2015. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell recently spoke at a widely followed conference in Jackson Hole. He delivered brief, clear, and pragmatic remarks. In short, he emphasized that the Fed must keep increasing interest rates until the job of containing inflation is done. And he indicated that a rather long period of tighter liquidity may be, may be needed to bring inflation in the U.S. under control. Now, what does this all mean for Latin America? Look, at the most basic level, higher global interest rates make it more difficult for governments and companies in the region to borrow money. Whenever central banks in the U.S. and in Europe hike interest rates, money tends to move from the periphery of global financial markets to the core of global financial markets. That is, money tends to flow from places such as Latin America back to the U.S. and back to Europe. Interestingly as well, in recent decades, periods of widespread economic, 
financial, and social stress in emerging markets and Latin America were often preceded by a sharp tightening of global liquidity conditions such as happening today. Former Fed Chairman Paul Volcker's very large interest rate hikes in the late 70s helped give rise to the debt crisis of Latin America in the 80s and a lost decade of economic growth. Alan Greenspan's interest rate increases in the mid-90s were linked with many regional financial crises beginning in 1994. These crises were lightly labeled the Mexico tequila crisis, the Brazil samba crisis, and the Argentina tango crisis, among others. Warren Buffett famously said, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. I think a little bit of that is going on today. Gabriela Alejo lays out a pretty grim perspective on how tightening liquidity globally, the increase in interest rates in the United States and in Europe might affect Latin America and alludes to some very dark economic periods in this region's not so uh, distant past, including the 1980s, the so-called lost decade that, as Alejo reminds us, was preceded by similar increases in interest rates in the United States. It all leads us to an important question about what are the conditions going in then to this period in Latin America? Um, I think most of us know that debt and deficits were rising before the pandemic and that high spending in 2020 and 2021 left a troubling debt hangover throughout this hemisphere. My question is whether you see Latin American countries today prepared to weather the more challenging interest rate environment that Alejo has just described. Well, then, relative to other historical episodes, the region appears somewhat, somewhat better prepared to weather the global monetary tightening without suffering sizable financial market stress. The main reason is that Latin American central banks started to raise interest rates well ahead of the Federal Reserve, up to one year in the case of Brazil and nine months in the case of Mexico, for instance. So this cycle is different from prior tightening cycles when Latin American central banks usually moved in line with the Federal Reserve. That said, not all countries are equally resilient. A country's current account balance matters a great deal when global financing conditions are scarce. And a deficit is indicative of an economy spending beyond its means. In this context, Brazil and Mexico stand out favorably given their small current account deficits. In contrast, Chile and Colombia seem more vulnerable. In the case of Peru, although the current account deficit has widened, it is still low and should continue to be easily funded by foreign direct, direct investments. Other source of potential fragility is the amount and maturity profile of foreign currency debt. Governments with high foreign currency debt burdens will face increased debt service costs. And in this sense, Peru, Chile, and Colombia can seem most affected by rising global yields. However, when seen in relation to the country's foreign currency assets, Peru's external debt does not look concerning thanks to its ample foreign currency reserves. Now, the schedule of external debt amortizations is also important. Here, Chile and Colombia have the largest amount of foreign currency debt maturing in the coming 12 months. So this is a risk to monitor closely, one that is partially mitigated in the case of Chile by the fact that companies actively hedge their foreign currency exposure. 
So all in all, then, uh, proactiveness in monetary policy and low external imbalances should help most Latin American countries navigate the more challenging, challenging interest rate environments, but Chile and Colombia have limited room to maneuver. Gabriela, very clear and, and more optimistic take on, on how the region might be able to handle the rising interest rates and the declining access to capital over the next weeks, months, and maybe longer period. I can't help but, but ask, however, whether these conditions will be a serious constraint on some of the more ambitious policy proposals that we've heard in recent months, as uh, several countries in the region have elected leaders, typically from the left, who have come in promising to improve public services, to combat inequality, to do things quite differently than the past. They're being elected and, and sworn in precisely at the moment where money will be scarce to realize a lot of these ambitious agenda items. And I should note at a time where the public demands are quite high and the risk of public unrest um, seems ever present. My question for you is how you see these global financial conditions shaping these domestic policy agendas. Well, on the one hand, the complex domestic political landscape in these countries could distract them from addressing their external challenges. On the other hand, the reality that global liquidity conditions are changing and financing is becoming a lot harder to come by will likely curb the ambitions of newly elected leaders in the region and prevent them from implementing some of the most radical policy proposals from their campaigns. Let's take the case of Chile, for instance. Gabriel Boric's social agenda includes ambitious spending increases in pensions, education, health and, and housing, among others, which could amount to more than 5% of GDP in spending per year. Meanwhile, his proposed tax reform may fail to increase tax revenues by the close to 4 percentage points of GDP within four years that the government is anticipating. So higher fiscal deficits would be much harder to finance in the current global environment. In the case of Colombia, interestingly, Gustavo Petro's campaign proposals with larger impact on fiscal accounts have already been watered down or discarded. We need to wait for the 2023 budget to get more clarity on his overall fiscal approach, but it seems that he is behaving a lot more pragmatically than many initially feared. So in some in the current global environment, the radical rhetoric recently appointed leaders employed during their campaigns may represent more bark amid existing constraints. Alejo, I want to turn back to you before we conclude and dig a little deeper into some of the political and social impacts of the conditions Gabriela just described. In her view, the difficult access to, to affordable financing will might keep a lid in excessive spending in places like Chile and Colombia where new leaders have come in and, and won't necessarily have the resources for some of the bigger items on their platforms. On the other hand, it seems like the unmet expectations from voters could signal greater social unrest, unpredictability, the kinds of conditions that have other negative macroeconomic consequences and that leave investors on the sidelines waiting for conditions to, to calm down. So I guess my question, Alejo, in that balance, 
um, some tighter reins on spending, but on the other hand, potentially angry voters. You know, where do these countries come out macroeconomically then over the next you know months and, and year? As you highlight, Benjamin, the balance will be fairly difficult to to manage. I think the reality is newly elected leaders have so far opted for a more pragmatic approach in office, right? Illustrating what former New York State Governor Mario Cuomo had famously said of politicians, you campaign in poetry, you govern in prose. I think this has a lot to do with the reality we've been talking about of a more difficult global environment, tighter global liquidity, newly elected leaders that are constrained in their ability to deliver on their campaign promises. I simply don't think this is going to change in the foreseeable future. At the same time, as you rightly point out, populations are um, looking for better quality of life, better public services. This is also unlikely to change anytime soon. Uh, I think we conclude that we can conclude that uh, social tension in Latin America is likely to remain fairly large. There's going to be ebbs and flows, but um, the a combative environment that we've experienced in the region in terms of social dynamics of the last few years uh, will likely persist, right? From a from a macroeconomic perspective, uh, we're inclined to, to believe that uh, it is more likely than not that we'll see macroeconomic responsibility in the majority of countries, given the constraints. Alejo Cherwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets at UBS. Gabriela Soni, Chief Investment Officer for Mexico at UBS. This has been enormously useful for me and I'm sure for Plaza Central listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for having us. You have been listening to Plaza Central, a podcast about Latin America's most pressing political, economic, and social developments. This episode was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. To learn more about our program, please visit wilsoncenter.org slash LAP. And please join us next time for another episode of Plaza Central.